0: have a question about your home call ken the contractor ken patterson is a class a licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single-family homes up and down the east coast and now ken the contractor brings his years of experience to the radio
1: square footage meaning when you buy a home you got three thousand square feet you got a thousand square feet whatever that is the most expensive space we buy cubic feet That's where we start to use our vertical space Is some of the least expensive that we have. Yet, that's probably one of the most underutilized areas in our homes.
0: Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? Call Ken, the contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor, along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. I'm Joe Britt. Thanks for making us part of your weekend plans. Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers, and also friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor, and you can forward questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com.
1: Well, we've had some inquiries lately that prompted me to bring this segment to you, and really is when exterior and interior products are deceptive in appearance, folks, you may be the loser. We're going to talk a little bit about that, that some products that look like what they are not. Think about what I said. There are products out there that look like something they really are not. And why do I say you could be a loser on this? If we are buying an original of anything, if you're buying an original painting and you're willing to pay the price of an original painting, you're not willing to pay that same price if you're buying a mock-up or a duplicate of that in some fashion. And that's partly where the big dollars can come in when it comes to products in our homes. And products today that are manufactured to look like something other than what they really are, Are almost perfect, and for most of us, it's very difficult to tell. Let's start by talking about some of the exterior products on our homes today, brick being one of them. And this, again, we dealt with this recently on this show, where we had a caller that had some issues with a paneling product that was designed to look like brick, and as I recall, understood from a seller years ago that this was a brick home. Again, these many of these products uh, these faux panels and so forth, they've done such a great job with either applying actual brick materials to panels so that on the surface they are a real brick. And so for somebody to make that statement would not be false, but it is not a full true brick veneer on the exterior of the homes. So this causes us to have to raise more questions of the builder or the home seller when we're evaluating the properties that we're buying, the product that we're building, and what we're willing to pay for it. For example, when you're looking at the, uh, the faux brick panels that are on the marketplace, and today they are quite good, these panels will go up for a fraction of the cost of real brick material. But if you have a home builder, a realtor, just an individual selling a home and they're selling that is all natural brick, full brick veneer, comparing that with another home, it may be ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 less, and that should be one thing for you to start asking question about. If this is a full brick house and there's one next to it, how can it be so cheap compared to the other one? The reason I want you to be aware of this is, one, so you know what you're paying for, because if you pay a higher price, you go to sell that house in a few years, somebody else may come along and raise the questions. You may find you end up losing money on the home because you have synthetic, fake, false, lookalike products in and around that house, that diminish your ability, your price, when it comes time to sell that. So this is just one area. When you look at brick, stone, stucco, all of those have become so common on houses, it takes a smaller foundation, if no increase at all in some cases, and it can be used inside. It has a great look. Don't misunderstand my statement because there's nothing wrong with these products. They are superior to things that were developed years ago. They save time. They save money. They are good products to consider. All I want you to be aware of is the difference when it comes time to buy the product and be sure that you're not the guy that bought the forgery when you were told you were buying the real McCoy. Some other areas that we look at as well that's very difficult for us to tell in some cases has to do with even wood trim on the interior and the exterior of our home. Now, some of us like wood. We want wood. There's a degree of warmth and beauty about that. There's also a degree of maintenance in terms of added painting. Others of us like the synthetic products that are available, whether it 's vinyl, composite there's so many other products that are out there today that reduce that maintenance. So ask the question if you have a preference, one versus the other, you want to be sure you know what you 're buying. Is this something I have to constantly paint? Is this a product that 's going to rot? Is this plastic because i don 't like plastic, I happen to like wood if that is your particular position when it comes time to buy a home. If you're building new, these are things you need to consider when you're talking to your builder. If you're remodeling, you still want to talk to your builder, your architect. If you're doing this yourself, these are things you want to have some knowledge of, so when you go to the supply house, you can evaluate cost, you can evaluate foundation systems, you can determine whether you can do one yourself, but perhaps not the other. It's just a matter of being informed so that you're not losing money somewhere down the line. So when we look at wood, we look at our trim products, it's very easy to have so many different synthetics and things out there that we don't even think about because on the surface, folks, if they're painted, they're finished, if they're detailed properly, you know what? It just looks good, and most of us are happy with it. But if you got a preference and you're paying a premium for something, you want to be sure it's the right product. Another area when we move interior, we'll deal with hardwood floors. Hardwood floors run just a a huge list of available products some of you come from old school where hardwood floors were three quarters of an inch thick they were oak they were cherry they were other products that are available Uh, native hardwoods that are a full three quarter inch thick and uh, maybe two and a quarter wide a little wider perhaps that is a solid wood material that can be stripped and refinished over and over again in most cases it will outlast all of us multiple times Yet there are houses that are sold and products available to say this is a natural hardwood floor, and that statement is correct, but it is a veneer. It may only be a quarter of an inch of that actual oak material, for example, or cherry that's applied over plywood backing so that the surface is indeed a natural hardwood, but it's not a full five-eighths to three-quarter inch thick solid wood, and it will have limitations on how many times you can sand that floor, bring it down, and refinish it. Maybe only once or twice, versus uh, 10 or 15 times of of some of the solid floors. So I just want you to be aware of the differences in products. You can't always take at face value something that's referred to as solid or all hardwood or all brick.
0: Well, you know, you bring up an interesting question. It has a lot of different applications. Uh, You go out and buy fruits and vegetables, natural, organic, Uh, until recently, There hasn't been a firm definition for what that is, so you could slap that label on that. And and the same thing is true. You could look at these products, and unless you're a professional, I would doubt that you could tell the difference between this and the real thing in many cases.
1: That's the whole idea in terms of manufactured products is, does it look like the real thing for less money? Does it perform well also? So performance is, is equivalent, but I promise you that when we look at these faux panels that are in the marketplace today, Where brick typically, a full natural brick, based on uh, an article that we brought to you before, How Long Things Last, uh, is saying that as long as you maintain the mortar joints, that brick's going to last a 100 years or longer. I promise you that these uh, faux panels and others will not because there are ways for water to get into them. So, yes, you need to look at that. You need to read it, and you need to investigate the product, especially if you're buying something that is completed and in place and you can't readily see it. There are areas you can detect this by looking at wall thicknesses and so forth.
0: Coming up one half hour from now on our app of the week. Ken's got an app for you this week. uh, For those of you shopping for home furnishings, TVs and stuff at Costco. And also at the bottom of the hour uh, this week with Universal Living. How to get around your home a little bit easier. That's all coming up on this edition of Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to this edition of Ken the Contractor. You can reach Ken Patterson by giving us a call at 800-614-2975. Or you can forward your question in email form to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. We're going to knock off some emails right now. Sam writes one that's uh, rather disturbing, at least
1: to me, being a builder. I always hate reading emails that are along these lines, and I hate hearing about them. But clearly, he's got a problem. And unfortunately, folks, sometimes you do have an issue with your builder, maybe with a developer in the area, and you just have to deal with it. And there are, in my book, the right ways to go about doing things to protect your interest and to do it legally. And so Sam, uh, says, he says, we've lived in this house, uh, looks like uh, since May of 2012. So it's only been in there a short period of time. And he said, I've talked to the builder about water leaking in around the basement door, about large cracks running the full length of the basement floor, large cracks on the same side of the basement wall between the top and so forth. He goes on with this. Not only does he have water issues, he has bug issues and he's had a basically a non responsive builder. And these are the kind of uh, folks that create a problem for our industry. I don't mind telling you that I've been doing this a long time, and every industry out there has their own problem folks, and it's the few people that give the many a bad reputation because, Sam, there are many, many quality builders and subcontractors and suppliers all across this nation who are not only interested in your business but others and willing to do it right and stand behind the product so let me give you some basic recommendations. First, I want you to go back and I want you to read your contract. Hopefully you had a detailed written contract with your builder that spelled out uh, remedies, it spelled out notifications, and it went through a procedure that you should follow if you have any particular issues, and hopefully it spelled out a written warranty as well. I want you to read that contract in great detail. Secondly, I want you to sit down and send a letter to your builder, don't do these things by phone at this stage. If you have tried to be the gentleman and make the phone calls and schedule and the follow-up and this hasn't happened, I want you to sit down and I want you to write a professional business letter outlining each of the issues that you have. I want you to attach photographs and document all of your problems. If you have made numerous calls and you have logged those in, I want you to include that in the letter to the builder that you called on this date at this hour Four, five, six times, you've received no return calls. The next thing I want you to do while that letter is in the mail, I don't want you to email it. I want you to have a hard copy, and I want you to send that snail mail. I want You can also email it if you choose, but I want you to go both methods, and I would suggest that you send it in snail mail, a certified return receipt, so that you get a signed card back that someone at that builder's office received that notification. While this is taking place, I want you to go out and, and seek, look for an architect, an engineer to come and make an inspection of the home and determine the underlying issues. While they're doing this, you can talk with them. It may be a, another contractor, but I want you to hire another professional and to investigate it, to have a report, and to have a, to establish a value to correct the deficiencies that are there. Then if you have no response from your contractor, I want you to send them an additional notice, return receipt, A certified mail, including this information. And at that point, you're really going to have to ramp it up if the builder continues to be non responsive, uh, and you're going to have to uh, move forward and take some action. You may find that you need an attorney to help you at this stage. I also want you to go to your state's licensing board and see what actions and remedies you can claim or take there. In many states, They offer a recovery fund. They also offer some help in dealing with non-responsive builders. Sometimes just a little pressure from the people that control their license will get some action where you can't. So I want you to see what your state offers. And ultimately, and I'd hate to say this, you may have to file a legal claim against the builder. That should always be the last resort because when the legal system gets involved, it's slow, it's expensive, and rarely does anybody win, including you. So anytime you can open that line of communication, it may take a little pressure from some other sources, do so, but document everything as you go through it and know what your problems are, have that documented, and know what the cost will be to fix that.
0: This is an interesting email from Leon, and he wants to know if he'll save money by lowering the high ceilings he has in his home. Now, that seems like some some rather uh, dramatic moves.
1: Well, it depends on how you think of it. Many people think about lowering ceilings. You're coming in with framing, and you're dropping this down, and you're putting up a new drywall. There are alternate means of doing that. But for those, Leon, you, and others that may have live in older homes, especially where you may have some 10, 12, even 14-foot high ceilings, in the wintertime especially, that's where all your heat is. You're paying the heat space you're not living in. So this question comes to us occasionally, but it's always worth revisiting. And he says he does have an old house with 10-foot ceilings, and he's heard conflicting opinions. You're going, you're going to get another one. Clearly, I'm going to be on one side or the other. But I will tell you, if you have a high energy cost in an older home, if you've done what you can, replacing windows, insulating floors, insulating attic, dealing with insulations and holes in walls, those type of things, and you're still saying my energy cost is just excessive, what can I do? I'm going to suggest first, before you drop ceilings, that you consider ceiling fans. Ceiling fans are very inexpensive, and they will get the heat off that ceiling. And you say you've got a 10-foot ceiling. You could have a 12-foot ceiling. It won't matter. In reverse cycle in the winter, it's going to force that cooler air from the floor up. Again, that's in reverse cycle. The fan has to turn backwards, and almost all of them have a reverse switch on them today. And it will force the air up. It will push the warm air back down to the area 20, 30, 48 inches off the floor where you're living and walking And what you have paid to put on the ceiling will now be back down where you live. That's the hot air. That is the most economical way of saving energy in winter months when it comes to getting that hot air down. For those of you saying, I don't like the sound, I don't like the look, you may want to look at some suspended grid systems. There are all kinds of decorative tiles, not your typical commercial tile that's available for homes today, from decorative panels to mineral board to stamp tiles. Uh, you can find there's just anything for every decor. That's a fairly economical way to do the same thing, to lower the height in that room and to change the complete appearance. At the same time, it will save you money in the winter.
0: I was wondering, but will still give you the savings... If you you do go with some of those grids and uh, suspended ceilings that you talk about, uh, as if you actually went in and actually lowered the physical ceiling, it
1: will do the same thing. It, it stops the heat from moving any further. If you want to uh, do something, if you have opportunity, and this happens to be a ceiling where you've got a roof on top of it, rather than another floor, for example, and you want some added insulation, it gives you an opportunity there to put bad insulation above that drop ceiling so that you have insulation above the tile. Perhaps you also have insulation, I hope you do, in that attic space, and it increases the thermal value that you have in the home, and it will increase the, uh, the acoustical value so it sounds a little warmer. You may not have the echo that some of the older houses do with the tall ceilings.
0: Is the concern about... Energy efficiency, one of the reasons why we've almost seen these high ceilings go out of most builders when you see them putting together a development unless you specially request it or it's involved with a great room or a, great room or a stair uh, case of some kind.
1: I think it's a combination of both. We, we look at green building. We look at energy efficiency. We look at operating cost under a magnifying glass today where we did not years ago. And we know that cubic space has to be heated and cooled, so we're dealing with that. I think it's also a front-end cost as people are trying to spend more money on things that are really important to them. These vaulted and high ceilings may not be quite what they used to be in the marketplace.
0: Do you have a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor? Don't forget you can forward those questions in an email form to our website. Go to KenTheContractor.com and while you're there you can take a look at some of the apps of the week that we've talked about in previous programs or listen to podcasts of recent programs or read Ken's response to some of the many questions we get at KenTheContractor.com. Or you can always be part of the show by dialing 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. This is Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to answer the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner, at 800-614-2975. And also, he'll answer your emails at KenTheContractor.com. Time now for this week's segment on universal living, which deals with making your life just a little bit easier.
1: You know, whether you're building or remodeling or you just have something on a piece of paper and you're thinking about starting a project over the next several months, I want you to ramp it up a little bit. And by that, I mean thinking about your access in and out of your home, especially those of you that have single-story homes or at least have one-floor living. Think about not only your needs but maybe a future homeowner in making that particular home more marketable down the road. When we talk about ramps, we don't have to discuss something that's 60 feet long and 8 feet in the air. What we're talking about in some cases is simply a minor modification when it comes to pouring concrete. For those of you with garages, for example, typically building codes in most areas require that there be a 4-inch step down or some type of a separation or so that garage floor is lower than the main house living level. However, if you'll talk to your code officials, you will find that in almost every place, you're permitted to create a ramp scenario out of one part of that floor coming up to the door entering the house, assuming that you have an attached garage. That means that's barrier-free. You frequently can do the same thing, whether it's a front walk to that front door or on the backside. You don't have to create even that four-inch step. You can still get rid of water. You can get rid of snow. All of those things can move away from that door in a positive manner, so you have no issue at all. And I will tell you, you'll find, regardless of whether you need this for uh, someone with a disability or whether you simply are thinking about the ease of getting in and out of your house, you're going to find it makes a huge change. I'll tell you, I live in a single-story home. It is totally barrier-free. I can go in any door from the outside of my house without any more than a threshold in the way and have absolutely no water problems at all. It's all in the design, and it meets all of the code criteria. So, all you have to do is ask the question sometimes. Many builders typically say you can't do that in a garage because the code says you must have a separation between the floors, and they are right under the International uh, Building Code. However, again, you can ramp it up at the connecting door without any real issue. So, take some of those things to heart. If you're building wood, putting on a deck, you're going to find just a ramp can be so much easier than building all of those steps, easier to maintain, easier to access. And a whole lot easier to move that gas grill up and down if you're pulling it from the backyard to the deck.
0: Let's go back to our emails. And this is an interesting one from Beth. And she currently heats with wood heat, Ken, and wants to look at some alternatives. What do you suggest?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of people around the country that are heating not only with wood, but with coal in some places and other alternative fuel sources. And uh, Beth is in West Virginia and says, Our house is a large one-story home with a loft. Said, My husband and I have heated with wood for a long time. But we're getting on in years, and it's just too much trouble. So the time is coming now when we're going to need to make a change. And we've looked into changing to what she's calling centralized heat pump system, but the cost of duct work is very high. Would also, would we be better off with gas heaters in each of the rooms and a heat pump uh, or an, a heat pump in all of those. Well, Beth, for you and others that may have an issue with installing ductwork, maybe it's the design of your home, maybe there's not free access to install ductwork, I will tell you that there are heat pump systems that are split zone systems that actually give you individual room control. So you may have a central uh, compressor on the outside, but there are individual fan blowers and thermostats and condensers in every room. Carrier makes a system that I'm describing along those lines. Train makes a system. Many of the major brand companies do, and they are multi-zone systems. Now, those may be a little pricier than what you're looking for. I also want to tell you that if you're looking at the heat pump uh, system, then you can look at those that simply discharge air into a large space, and you can look at a secondary system, a fan system, that will take and move that air into these other rooms through transfer grills. There are ways to heat and cool the type house you're describing where it's largely single-story with a loft, and I, I'm taking this email to be a large open house, uh, that you can do so without installing ductwork. But I would also suggest to you that you consider the ductwork. Look at your crawl space. Ductwork can go in crawl spaces. It can run vertically take up portions of closets to go from first floor to second floor. It can be built into soffits along the perimeter and then blow into each of these rooms. There are economical ways of installing ductwork, both supply and return, And I want you to get at least three bids and talk to some folks about it before you make a final decision.
0: All right. Don't forget, you can always email your questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. But if you do want to join us on the program, here's our contact number. It's 800-614-2975, 800-614-2975. And Tom joins us right now. He wants to talk also heating and cooling. Tom, you're on the air with Ken The Contractor.
1: How are you doing? Hi, Tom. How are you? I have a
2: question about, it's HVAC question. Okay. I have a, uh, a house that has dual system. One for, the problem I have is the system for the second floor where the air handler, uh, and the base is a leak in the coil in the air handler in the attic. Uh, my question being, um, it's maybe being recommended to me to replace the air handler and possibly leave the outside unit. Which uh, might be slightly undersized for my house. 2,100 square foot, second floor, 16 registers, has a two-ton outside unit and a maybe a three-ton inside unit, which I think is interesting uh,
1: by itself. How, how, Um, How old is the system? Nine years. Okay, so at nine years, you're probably a SEER of 10 to 11, maybe, something like that?
2: Yeah, I have the builder's model. It's a okay. lower-end model, so it's probably 10.
1: Okay. Well, frankly, if if I had a system that's nine, 10 years old, it's got a lower SEER, a lesser energy efficiency rating, if it were in my budget, I would probably replace both the inside and outside unit for this reason, that typically, and, and I, I've been around doing this for a while, typically with these units... Once they reach the age of about 12 years, I start seeing maintenance issues with them. If you get 15 years out of them, you've really gotten your money's worth. But 12, 13, 14 years is about the normal life cycle before you start plowing a bunch of money into it. Rather than put a new component in and be two or three years away from getting into that, and it sounds like they could be mismatched, although I'll tell you why if I have a moment, but uh, that's what I would be looking at. I'd increase my energy efficiency, probably look at a 13, 14, maybe a 15, that by itself will help with some payback on the cost of the equipment with that energy efficiency. But it's not uncommon for builders or HVAC contractors to install a little larger interior unit versus the outside because of the airflow, the cubic feet per minute that that air handler can move. Okay. And in residential equipment, unlike commercial, commercial has variable speed motors and fans in it and so forth. Residential does not. So even if the capacity of the compressor is fine, maybe they felt they needed to move a little more air, and that's the reason they would bump that inside unit up instead of, say, 1,500 CFM. Now this moves 1,900 CFM just to get a little better airflow. Okay. But uh, the bottom line here is you're asking me my opinion. I would be looking, if I could afford it right now, to replace both. Okay. All right. That's what I was looking for. Thanks for the call.
0: Thank you, Ken. Bye. Thank you, Tom. We do appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And also, if you do have questions about heating and cooling or some of the other topics that we talk about a lot, Plumbing, basements, roofs, insulation, electrical questions. Don't forget to go to our website, KenTheContractor.com, and check out Ken's toolbox. Uh, that has uh, some of the questions that he gets asked most often on the program. All right there, very helpful information, right on the front page at KenTheContractor.com. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800 614 2975 a quick break and right back with more of your questions for ken you're listening to ken the contractor oh welcome back to ken the contractor Do you have a question about your home inside or out you can always reach ken at 800-614-2975 along with ken i'm jim brett thanks for joining us this weekend it's 800-614-2975 and jim joins us right now He is in pennsylvania listens to ken the contractor on weeu jim thanks for holding you on the air with ken go right ahead hi hi jim
2: I bought uh, a place in, in uh, New York State uh, in February, and the kitchen doesn't have a cellar underneath it, and they had water problems, so what they did is took three by eights or two by eights, something like that, put it on top of this floor, and then they put a floor on top of that with no vapor barrier, and this house is setting for 10 years, so I don't have to tell you what happened to that floor. It's
1: not in very good condition, is it? It <laughs> sure yeah.
2: isn't. And, one of the problems is there was a bank behind it with a whole row of uh, sugar maples. I took them out, and I plan to grade that and put a swale in there. I think that'll take care of some of the water. But my question is, my son thinks I should put tear that wood out of the kitchen. It's about 12 by 12, and and put uh, a cement floor in with an 80 gallon hot water heater and a, and a circulator, and put electric. I mean, uh, you know, heat in the floor. Is that
1: practical? Well, I'll tell you, if you if you need to take the floor out to resolve the moisture problem, and I have a question or two for you in a moment, but if you need to do that, uh, given where it's located uh, for, and I don't know what the heat source is in the house. With it's gas. not Okay, but it's not terribly expensive these days to add uh, the circulating system and the in-floor heat tubes. Years ago, it was much more complex, but today, these are not only more economical, but they're even user-friendly, where many do-it-yourselfers can install it on their own. So I wouldn't discourage you from that, given the climate that you're in, in the wintertime in uh, in New York. Right. But I, I want to come back to a couple of items. It sounds like you really have addressed some of the water issues. Part of the house is a slab on grade, and apparently there was no vapor barrier under it. So no. So the, the floor was constantly wet, and this was mm-hmm. their remedy for that. But you've looked around the outside, and you have determined then that by ch- altering the grade adjacent to the house, putting in a, a diversion dike or swale, one of the two, you can move most of the water away from the house from upslope and solve the problem, correct?
2: Yes. I feel, I feel very confident of that.
1: <laughs> Is there the,
2: tree, the trees kept the house uh, shaded because so, they were on the south side, and that also didn't help the moisture situation.
1: Is there a real need to replace the floor at this stage? Has this work been completed to the point you're saying, I really don't have a moisture problem anymore?
2: Well, when you walk on the floor, it breaks through.
1: Well, I'm talking, excuse me, the concrete. I assumed you may have pulled some of the wood up to know whether there's a, still a moisture problem. Well, you can
2: under. see down with the 8-inch, you know, where you broke through, you can see down to the floor. Uh, I hadn't really looked at it that close. I just know there was a cement floor underneath it,
1: you yeah, know, but I, I, I think one of the first things I would do, knowing that you've got to replace this rotted floor in the first place, I would pull that floor up, and then I would observe that concrete for a little while, see whether I have a problem. The other way you can check this, especially in a a rainy environment, and that's when you want to check it, and uh, right now you've been having some degree of rain in that part of the country, is to tape a piece of plastic to it, just a clear plastic, uh, tape it all four sides. with. It could be duct tape, something that will hold fast. Over a period of 24 to 48 hours, you'll know whether you have any more moisture in that floor because you'll have condensation forming on the bottom side of that plastic. So that's a okay. quick, simple, easy way for any homeowner to see whether they have a moisture problem in a floor slab, whether it's basement or their main level. If you have resolved that, you may not need to go to the expense of pulling that floor out. You may find you can come back and install a quarry tile or some other hard tile And if you still want the heat, there are products that will, that you put down first, matting material that goes under a ceramic or quarry tile on top of the concrete that will heat that tile and give you some radiant heat. So it may save you the expense and the trouble of taking the whole floor out if you've already done these other things externally that resolves your water problem. And I think I'd be looking at that first. Okay. Sounds good. Gives you a little something to do before the first snowfall. I heard that. (laughs) You have fun.
2: So I put new windows in it, so.
1: Well, you're making progress. Oh, yeah. So if we can help you with anything else, you give us a call back here. Or go to the website, KenTheContractor.com.
2: I
0: I appreciate your program. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can join us and you can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. And one of the things you can find at that website, KenTheContractor.com, our apps of the week. What's our app of the week this week? Can I
1: tell you, I love apps. I love the smartphones. Years ago, I couldn't turn the computer on, and now I can't live without the smartphone And we're coming up on football season, which happens to be have an impact on these large screen TV sales from what I've read year after year. And many of us today are members of the big box clubs. And today's app comes to us from Costco. They have recently released an app that does so many things that you can do in uh, a lot of other places. But if you're a Costco Costco member and uh, you have an Apple or an Android smartphone or a tablet, then this one is probably for you. You can shop Costco.com you'll be able to not only find products that they have in the store, you'll be able to find products that they do not have in the store. And if you've ever been online looking at some of those, you'll find office products, you'll find furniture, you find so many other things around your home that you don't typically find in their retail outlet and they'll ship directly to your front door. So this app will allow you to do all that. Also, in fact, just so happened my wife and I were traveling a few weeks ago. We were looking for a Costco, and I did not have this app downloaded at that time. This would have told me the nearest Costco to a different city that we happened to be passing through. So that's one of the things you can find there. Also, you'll get e-coupons, things that are only available through their website and many other things in terms of renewing your your pharmaceutical prescriptions and other services that are available. So go to the website, KenTheContractor.com, and you'll be able to find out how you connect to Costco's newest smartphone app.
0: Very good. I've got a couple minutes left. Let's sneak in one more quick email from KenTheContractor.com. Ben seems to have a little bit of an issue here. I'm thinking with a
1: septic tank. He says, if your land doesn't perk, can you bring in fill dirt to correct the problem? Well, Ben, all over this country, there are areas where soils are such, whether it's rocky or shale or it's a material that is not acceptable to that state's health department for septic systems. In many states, I can't tell you all, but in many states, health departments have adopted and will approve what's considered alternative septic systems. Now, in some cases... They will also accept excavating an area and bringing in soils that will perk, but there are states I know of that have ruled that out now just because of some of the systems failing. The bottom line is if you have soil, you have land that will not perk, I want you to talk to a local engineering firm that does alternative septic systems or companies that install those, get you at least three prices. These will cost you more money, but it will make your land valuable because right now if it doesn't perk, you can't build a home on it All of a sudden, by investing a little more money in these alternative septic systems, now you've got a usable piece of property for that two-, three-, four-bedroom structure that
0: you're looking for. Are local officials more apt to allow these alternative septic systems, or are they tougher?
1: In most cases, they are controlled by a state health department, even though it's local. You live in a city, they don't typically have local health departments that enforce these. But you can start there. Your local health department will say, here are the state guidelines for this. And if the state has approved it, they're going to have to accept those systems. But sometimes there's a degree of maintenance involved with them. So don't just assume that one is a cure-all. You want to ask the questions of the people installing it. What level of maintenance? Am I limited to number of bedrooms?
0: If you'd like to send us an email question, just like Ben, all you have to do is forward it to KenTheContractor.com. You can also leave voicemails at our website or just give us a call to be part of the show at 800-614-2975. You've been listening to Ken The Contractor, where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken The Contractor. Do you have questions about your home inside or out?
1: KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com where folks come for professional answers.